pretending we didn't know, right? No, no, we're not pretending we didn't know. We've, we've looked at it for five minutes, V. Hey, Brian David Marshall here for Copy Magic with V. Marshall. And we are literally five minutes into reading the future of Magic Esports, which has just come in over the transom via email, people Twittering about it, Facebook, everyone's talking about this already, but like, I wanted to capture your thoughts on this as you, uh, as you look through this thing. What, what is your take on the future of Magic Esports? We will live another day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is really, this is a huge announcement because like as of five minutes ago, before we saw this, there was a lot of speculation that Tabletop Magic was dead as of Richmond, right? Like people were quitting. People were making their announcements, you know, there was sort of a funereal kind of uh, tone when people were talking about Richmond. Like, you know, I mean, maybe it would be a, a good Irish funeral, you know, <laughs> with, with lots of drinking and reminiscing and, and, and like, but there was definitely a feeling like it was the end of the road. And this certainly does not look like that to me. This is not the end of the road. This is the introduction of a new, much more complicated and windy road. <laughs> oh no, yeah. <laughs> Recalculating route. Recalculating route. Make a U-turn. <laughs> so, so what, let, let, what, what is, let's look through Don't this. jump in the lake, yeah. <laughs> so the big thing here is the introduction of Players Tour, which is obviously something replacing the Pro Tour. So what, what does that look like to you when you look at this? So my interpretation of this is that the Pro Tours have become play, the, the Pro Tour, as we remember it, is now called the Players Tour. That it has now been split into three regions. Uh, and then, so the idea is that like there'll be three Europe, three North America, three Asia. I haven't seen dates, so we don't, I don't know yet if they're simultaneous or spaced out. Right. I'm hoping for spaced out because I just want to watch this stuff 12 times a year instead of four times a year. Right. And I also, you know, just because it seems great and just to have different tests, different ideas. And I love the idea of like two thirds of the world being like coaches and like helping people <laughs> with their decks and like innovating. Oh, wow, I hadn't even thought about Because they can't play. Right. Right? Well, it looks like you can play out of your region, but, but that would come at the cost right, of playing pick, in your region. So it's the same thing, right? I, I, yeah. If I'm like Shahar and I want to play in Europe instead of America or something, I can, but it's the same problem. I'm still sitting up two out of three. Right. You know, and if you want to fly Japan because you want a smaller field because, like, for whatever reason. But it's based on record, so I don't think it matters. I think that, like, unless you think that one region is just stronger players than another region, you should just take the easier flight, uh, which is good because you want, you want the incentive to be that. Um, but so the idea is you can qualify for three events a year, which is down from four or five, but with uh, many more slots for those tournaments. So it's a lot easier to qualify for them. If you do well in one of those tournaments or a combination of those tournaments, the, I haven't gotten to the details of the point system yet, you qualify for the worldwide pro tour, players tours, the, the next level up. Right, the players tour championships. Player tour championships, which are held several times a year. And then if you combine do well in all of those, then you get to go to the Rivals League. <laughs> and perhaps the world championship? I, I'm trying to sort this all out, it's still like, there's, yeah. too many, there's too many moving parts right now. I'm sure not everyone in the world right now is trying to figure out the details. But the basic arc seems to be the Magic uh, MPL, the, the, the Pro League, has split in two. There's a smaller professional area, 
and there's something called rivals. And they each have 24 people. And so the idea is if you are one of the 24 top real true pros, then this year you are a professional magic player. This is what you do. You have to compete in arena and you have to compete in paper if you want to stay at the top. You have invites to everything. You have invites to everything, but you have to use them all. There's no like, well, I don't really feel like, you know, not streaming this weekend, so I'm going to skip this portfolio. It costs you points. And only 16 of these 24 people get to stay by default. <laughs> so this, and this is the big question that people have had about the MPL. Yes. How do I stay in the MPL? And more importantly, for the great mass of us, how do I get into the MPL? Yes. And, and the big question everyone had is, you know, when we first picked the MPL, the MPL was picked almost, you know, largely on the basis, notably with exceptions at the very end, but almost entirely who had points. Right. On the most objective criteria you can think of, then we chose, you know, we had replacements, and one of those replacements was, you know, the obviously, like, correct person to pick because they had won the Mythic Championship that it was just held and were obviously eminently qualified in other ways. And then they chose someone, you know, based on criteria that, like, you know, well, they could have picked any number of other people as well using those criteria, and it made us question, well, going forward, what are these criteria going to be, right? How do I know how I get selected? What do I have to do to make myself a good candidate? Is all of my effort for naught because they're just gonna select someone based on criteria that I can't possibly compete on? And this is a huge impact on players' careers, whether or not it's the right decision for Wizards to go that route. And so now we have a very, very clear set of tournaments with fixed requirements. So, you know, I'm not done with the announcement, but my understanding was there's, let me just scroll up. I believe it was six discretionary slots. Yeah, so the Rivals League has 46 slots. The first to 12th ranked digital players, the first to 12th ranked tabletop players. So those are based on competition. Um, so the tabletop players... And when you say that, that's not previously in the MPL, right? Yes, that's not previously right. in the MPL. Yeah. So the tabletop players, that's almost entirely uh, merit. That's almost entirely you won qualifiers, you competed at events, you scored points. You look at the worst of 12 ranked digital players, that's more questionable because there are invitationals that feed in... Uh, if you look at... Now, I, I could be wrong about all this because we're still sorting through a massive amount of data in the last <laughs> few minutes, but... From what I'm looking at it, you score digital points through Magic Invitationals, Mythic Invitationals, Mythic Qualifiers, and Mythic Point Challenges. And if Mythic Invitationals are one of three things that you use, and Mythic Invitationals have 16 discretionary slots out of 64. So effectively, those 64 players, you know, that, have, that compete in an Invitational get a huge leg up if like 50 of them compete, 50, 50, 55 people compete in all of the Invitationals in a year, they have a huge leg up on everyone else competing for those 12 slots. Uh, especially if a bunch of them are MPL players and therefore they don't even count towards these 12 slots. So they have, so basically giving someone one of those discretionary slots on a consistent basis or just filling out their one qualification slot they didn't have is a huge boost to their chances of getting into the Rivals League. So these 12 slots are a hybrid. So we're assuming that first through 12th ranked digital players comes from high level digital tournaments? Or are we assuming that it's So as I said, like I, if I'm reading it, it says, I was understanding this was mythic points. Okay. Um, if, 
again, I, I'm, I'm maybe 75% confident right now based on my reading. Right. But I think it's pretty clear that, like, this is based on a point system. Okay. When we say top people of X, like, it almost has to be a point system. Sure. Right? There's no discretion here. But there is discretion feeding it. Okay. So because of the invitationals having discretion. So it's discretion into merit. Right. Like, it's, you have to hold your... Oh, own. you have to earn it. Like, if you, yeah. don't, if you don't deserve to be there... In the sense that, like, more people deserve to be in the Rivals League than can be in the Rivals League, right? Like, not that you've necessarily earned it more than somebody else, but any given time, there are 46 watch in the Rivals League. It's not like there aren't 72 people who would do the game honor by being in that Rivals right. League. So, the, for, the, you have to earn it when you get there, or it won't be worth anything. But yes, they will determine who gets a chance to earn it to a significant degree. And so, I would say of these 24 slots, we're probably going to say, like, you know, it's the equivalent of maybe 21, 22 uh, pure merit slots and then, like, two or three uh, semi-discretionary slots. But, like, again, like, no chumps are going to make it in, right? Like, you know, the guy you know who's, you know, never won a PTQ is, is never going to make it in here. Like, if somebody makes it in, no matter what got them there, if some streamer wins out on points just because they got the invitation doesn't mean that, you know... They didn't kick ass. They kicked ass. They earned right. it. Even if they went on a hot streak, because you always go on a hot streak. Like, nobody wins a Pro Tour if I get super lucky. That's just how it is. Sure. Um, so the bottom 12 from the MPL gauntlet. So <laughs> effectively, you know, whatever the, whatever the equilibrium rate of merit, minus the fact that these people have shown themselves to be non-meritorious members of the MPL. <laughs> you know, shame, shame, shame on you. And I do love the idea that you got here by being a failure. Relegation. <laughs> Like, whatever, America, American sports and esports need relegation more than ever. Like, relegation is so underrated. Um, the bottom four players from the previous MPL, so the bottom 12 players from the MPL gauntlet. And of course, there's also the people who, like, you know, you, so you both qualify for next year's rivals and get a shot simultaneously to compete in this tournament to try and make it to the top. And so there's a very much a nice consolation prize if you fail in the gauntlet to step up. Right, like right. if you're a rival, you get a chance to become part of the NPL. You fail, you at least get another shot at rivals. Try to make it back. The bottom four from the previous NPL season, and then six discretionary slot so, invites. So, so uh, players in the NPL, it says up to fifty thousand dollars in appearance fees. Yes. Right. Then it says the rivals league. They also get invites to everything. Yes. And they get up to twenty thousand dollars in appearance fees. Big game. Which yeah, that's huge. But what this is basically saying is the MPL is now what we used to call platinum. But the Rival League is basically gold. Right? So how – is this better than gold? It seems better than I mean, gold. I mean it might be – well, I, I, I'm talking about in terms of relative – Yeah, yeah. But like level. this is sort of – $20,000 in appearance fees seems relatively on the par – at least on par with old platinum, right? Like it's right. pretty awesome. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, it's not raise a family reliably awesome, but it's definitely like it's, keep me in card money and rent. <laughs> and, and right. And, and, you know, yeah, don't get, uh, yeah, don't get kicked out of my house. <laughs> right. Of, and, and I can start my streaming career right. or I can just study really hard and, and make this happen. Right. You know, pay my tuition, right. whatever it is that you want to do. $50,000 baseline and a gateway to a streaming career if you want one. And all the prizes you earn while traveling around the world because presumably you're pretty good at this. Right. Is, uh, is pretty solid. So like, I feel like they've done, they've done really good. There's a combination of, you know, there's 46 plus 24 slots. There's 70 slots for at least 70 professional Magic players here. That's a significant expansion. Uh, this is like at least semi-permanent. 
right? Like, this is clearly like intended to be a long-term view because I go into the Players League and then I make it to the Rivals League and then I make it to the MPL. So, you know, I give a lot of credit to Wizards for taking a lot of fire, for getting this right over the course of weeks and months when they were just, we're not going to say anything. We're not going to make promises we don't know we can keep. We're going to get it where we want it so that we can make a commitment. We, we were literally walking down Hudson Street yesterday and having a conversation like, WTF, why haven't we heard anything post-Richmond? Right? We're like, what? You know, we were, we were like basically laying betting odds as to whether or not Richmond would be the last pro event at Tabletop. Right? Like, there was like some significant portion where we were like, this might be the last Tabletop event ever. It's crazy. The last big one, yeah. Yeah. Is, is like, are we going to have to organize the next Pro Tour ourselves <laughs> and just have it be you know, paid for by entry fees? <laughs> Vegas, baby, Vegas. But, and, and you know, that's, that's still a good idea, someone should jump on that. Uh, but, you know, this is much better. I like this a lot. Um, you know, the only, the only questions are things like, you know, looking at it, uh, what is the practice? Like, so like for the practice in terms of if you make it, right, this seems great. If you're in the MPL, I feel like you're both being given a very good level of support and being given about the right level of get off your ass and perform because not all of you are coming back next year. You know, 16 of you are coming back next year plus whoever makes it right. through the gauntlet. So on average, 17 of you are so coming back So let's be clear. MPL, MPL gauntlet is top 16 players from the MPL stick. Yes. Bottom four players are relegated. Right. They can't participate in the MPL gauntlet. Don't even get a shot. The top two ranked players from the Rivals League in both MTG Arena and Tabletop Play will automatically be offered MPL contracts and won't participate in the MPL gauntlet. Okay. Yep. Then the MPL gauntlet will therefore comprise 16 competitors. MPL players ranked 17th through 20th. The rival players ranked 3rd through 8th on MTG Arena. And the rivals players ranked third to third through eighth on tabletop. That's insane. Yes, it's completely insane. So one of also awesome insane. I one think. thing I love about this is so the biggest problem this year has been the feeling of having nothing at stake. Right, you tune right. in to watch some magic this weekend, and you see some great players playing some great games, but you don't really feel any different than if you're just watching their stream and they're playing another good player, and you're just watching interesting Magic games. Because you don't appreciate what these players have to win and what they have to lose. So I'll give, I'll give Wizard some further credit here. I, I watched the stream of the Pearl, of the core split Pearl division, which is yeah. a name I still hate. <laughs> I still hate calling these things splits. I think it diminishes the stakes. But um, during the week, the Pearl division played out a bunch of matches, determined a top four, and then there was a top four bracket played on Sunday, live on the stream, or semi-live on the stream. I don't know if there was a tape delay or not, but sure. it seemed live to me watching it, which is what's important. And, uh, and, it was, and it really underscored the stakes because the winner gets to sleep in and go right to day two of the next arena uh, you know, event, the next arena. Which is great progress, but compare that to this. Right. 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 So like for, for, for last season, they didn't do that, right? Like for, for a while, at least for the first few weeks, it felt like we were just watching Magic matches. And I still tuned in for a significant number of yeah. them. 
because Magic is awesome and getting to see arena matches televised between the best players in the world was what I, something I wanted to do on a Saturday afternoon. But that didn't mean that I understood that the tension was really high until the last week or two where some of the matches felt really high tension, but then we still had the problem where most of the matches didn't feel high tension. Now, if you're in the MPL, right? If you are competing to not be in those last four slots, this is a huge stakes. And everyone appreciates these are huge, gigantic stakes. If you are competing to not be in the next four slots, those are huge, gigantic stakes. So basically, you know, that's gonna be a significant portion of the MPL and therefore like almost, you know, a third, maybe like a third of the matches will have at least one person who is fighting tooth and nail to not be there. Right. Right? Like in the second half of the, of the series and every match is like, you don't know if you're gonna be on the bubble. And then if you get above that, you're competing for the world championship. You're competing for the title. You're competing for the good stuff at the, at the upper end. So everyone's gonna always have something at stake. Almost always, right? There's always gonna be a little bit something more to compete for. And we're gonna understand what those stakes are. And this system needs to do a great job of just motivating everybody and making that motivation clear to the viewer, to the follower as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to follow this stuff. Like it's gonna be really high pressure and really intense. So uh, we talked about before the idea of uh, tabletop and uh, arena rankings. So the mythic points for uh, arena play come from mythic invitationals, mythic qualifiers, and mythic point challenges. So very specific events contribute to that. So it won't be necessarily just mythic ranking at the end of a season. Uh, and then for tabletop ranking, that includes player tour Americas, Europe, Asia Pacific, and then player tour finals. Right, so this seems like a very clear distinction in how these paths work. If you're playing paper, then you have a very clear path to the Rivals League. You can win a qualifier, go to a Grand Prix, qualify for the paper tournament, this should be something that if somebody wants it enough, right. if they're willing to fly, they're willing to travel, they're willing to spend their weekends as a road warrior, they should have a very good slot, shot at playing all three events, of making it to the next level of event, and then it's on them to compete, but they've got a shot. If you are on the digital side, then you can reliably make it to the Mythic Qualifiers. And uh, Renan, you know what the point challenges are? The uh, mythic point challenge? I, yeah. don't know, I don't know what those are. So I'm going I'm to do a control F, uh, okay. see if they explain <laughs> it. Um, will not feed other events, but will award mythic points. Um, so basically, if you, qualify, if you qualify for the qualifier, you also qualify for some sort of tournament to score points. Sure. So basically, the problem is the invitationals. Um, the, Difficulty in qualifying for the Invitational um, seems, from what we've seen before, to be, this is insane, right? Like, if we all look back to, you know, they, did, they, they made the mistake of doing it with uh, number one through eight on the ladder. And then, like, you know, the collective amount of insomnia <laughs> and inability to function without coffee or even with coffee, for a large portion of the magic community, was not small. Yes. <laughs> and I took a casual shot at it and got into the like, you know, low 200s or something, uh, before realizing that I could probably lose no matches between now and the end and I still wouldn't make it. <laughs> and I should probably just stop because that wasn't going to happen anyway. 
Uh, I'm not convinced I was playing substantially differently than other people who were at the top. I just didn't have anybody to play that many matches. I, I've, I've been really impressed by the people who are able to consistently stay at single-digit Oh, I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it. I I don't know how to play that many matches and stay awake and focused <laughs> and care about every little decision. Like I do it like I play a match or two and then I'm like, okay, I need a break. I need to I need to do something else. Right. Like there's just so much going on. It, it's you know life beckons and it was just prohibitive. And then they moved to the invitational system, which is much better with the qualifier system, which is where you make it to the top. And now it's twelve hundred, which is a very reasonable. If you're good enough, you should be able to do this. Right. If you deserve to be if you deserve to be a top player, you should be able to get the top twelve hundred or something. If you can't, you don't deserve it. And then this gets them into a tournament which is eminently fair and very lifestyle accommodating. The problem is the invitational itself, right? Like the problem is that the invitationals have very few qualifier slots. So getting to the invitational at all is like almost making the top eight of a pro tour, right? Like certainly, you know, you have like one Grand Prix you can qualify in. And you have to qualify at that one Grand Prix. Like it's at least that hard each time. And so you then have to do this and then you have to stick, right? And it's very difficult to get from, to chain invitationals. And so again, if you're not getting the discretionary invites, getting the invitationals you need to get to the top of the points in order, because without them, you're not gonna get to the top of the points very often, is just a very, very big ask. And so I would say getting to Rivals League blind from the digital perspective seems to require some pretty fortunate spiking, but also can be from the comfort of your own home. Depending on how many Mythic Point challenges they create and how, how much access you get to them, it seems like those create an outlet for rewarding consistency and skill. It, it comes down to where the points are. Sure. And the point differentials, yes. right? Yes. So the problem in the past has been, like you look at the mythic points right now, and my understanding is that finishing last in an invitational is a massive points boost. Sure. And I would change that. I would say, if you go to an invitational, you have the opportunity to win a lot of points. But I wouldn't give you points for showing up. In particular, I wouldn't give you points for being invited. You know, I mean, you know, Brian, my, my co-podcaster here, was invited to an invitational uh, with, you know, no, no, no notice. And like, it wasn't fair at all. But like, and it was like, it's great to be here. But like, that was more mythic points than like a good finish for a person at a paper tournament, is my understanding. It was a massive boost. Sure. And so if you want to give people the chance to win via qualifiers and challenges, right, you have to make the number of points available at the qualifiers and challenges such that being at the invitationals doesn't just put doesn't just put someone so far ahead of you that it's just not reasonable to expect you to ever catch up. Right. Because there's more people who go to all three invitationals that are eligible for this than there are slots. So, you know, is it going to be basically you have to just make top four of an invitational or something to have a shot if you're not qualified, invited to all three? Or is it going to be something more reasonable? And we'll find out. It's, it's all about structure. Right. Uh, but there's, there's a path. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the Tabletop Players Tour, because this is pretty intense. This is very different, very similar, but also very different to what a Pro Tour was. Three regional, three regional Players Tours in 
each of three regions. And what it looks like to me is if I qualify for, let's say the Players Tour America, I can pick one of those three to play in, but I cannot play in all three. I believe that is correct. Uh, and then doing well in those, the players who do well in those three Players Tours will then be invited to the Players Tours America's Players Tours final of some kind, whatever they're calling that. Yes, then there'll be a final. So you have a choice. Obviously, the assumption is that most players will choose their own region because flying internationally is terrible. Right. And well, each of those Player Tours America's events is going to be 500 players. They have bigger prize pools yeah. and invitations are based on record rather than standing, which I believe is an explicit defense to say don't fly to Asia right. just because it's smaller. Right. Right, because Asia will be smaller just right. because of the way the player pool is generated. Europe the is 250 and yes. Asia is 200. Something. No, four, sorry, Europe is 400 players with a $200,000 prize pool and Asia Pacific is 250 players with a $150,000 prize pool. Now, to be fair, those numbers aren't the same. <laughs> so, yes, there should be 300 players in Asia. So, if you were already thinking, you know... If you're EV conscious and have a lot of miles. Or Beijing just feels lovely this time of year and <laughs> you just want to take a vacation, uh, sure. But certainly, you know, the you're looking at you know two two thousand. It's like what is it? So it's four hundred players for two hundred thousand dollars. So five hundred, you know, five hundred a player, and then you know slightly more. It doesn't pay for a flight, right? There's no justification just based on player counts for flying to a different region. It would have to be because you thought that region was significantly softer than yours, right? And you can make that decision. It's also possible if there are different timings that it could be that, and that could be very good for players, right? Because like, how often, especially people, like people at school, people at like jobs that have specific times, it's like I can't go to that tournament, right? Right. But if you have a choice of like I can go to the you know the first week of every month, the first weekend of every month is a, is a pro tour, say, and then it goes you know Europe, Asia, America, Europe, Asia, America, or whatever, then you can say well this this. Cycle. I can't go to my, you know, the I can't go to the tournament in Europe, even though I live in Europe. I'm gonna go to Asia because that weekend works. Then that's a huge boon to players who just want to make this fit to their schedules. And if they have finals or they have, you know, a product shipping or something, they can make it work. And so that's just one more encouragement to to wizards to split them up. Right. Yeah. So this this is also big because it means. Uh, under the old Pro Tour Mythic Championship system, they point out there were about 1,800 invites offered. This offers 3,600 invites, roughly, this system, uh, which is kind of cool. I love it. Um, you can qualify for a Players Tour event uh, by winning or placing very highly at a qualifier level event. It includes Player Tour qualifiers, WPN qualifiers. This is big, Grand Prix, because we weren't sure what the fate of Grand Prix was beyond this year. Player Tour Premier Series and Magic Online events. Doing well at the Players Tour will earn you prizes and events to future Players Tours. Top finishers will be invited to the Global's Players Tour Finals, which is pretty, which is the big Pro Tour event now. And the final goal is to claim your spot in the Rivals League by earning enough points from the Players Tour and Players Tour's Finals. But, and this is also kind of cool because one of the things people are worried about is sticking around from event to event. Even if you don't get to the Rivals League, it can still qualify you 
for future player tours regional events. Yes, my one worry, so the, if there's one concern I have with this structure, it's that there is no path through like sustained solid performance to chain permanent, so, so somewhat permanently, right? So there used to be a path where said like, I am going to go to the pro tours and as long as I perform reasonably and I'm willing to travel to Grand Prix to sort of earn my keep and prove that I'm still committed to this, I can continue to expect to be going to the tournaments. And so I know a number of people who once they earned the great, what it's called the gravy train, right? There used to be a gravy train and it wasn't that much gravy, right? The gravy wasn't that thick. It wasn't great, but it was, I get to keep playing at the higher levels and I keep planning my life around playing at the higher levels. And realistically speaking, you know, we still have the, we now have the Rivals League and we have the MPL. And it's not clear the Rivals League and the MPL are smaller than the old gravy train. Right. But there doesn't seem to be a way to sustain yourself at a level below the Rivals League. It seems like you can, I mean, you can do it indefinitely by spiking tournaments, no, it, by winning qualifiers. It, you, it's clear from the language here yeah. that it's like, look, you want to be in the Rivals League at yeah. the minimum. And but they are saying if you're not if you don't reach the rivals league, we will offer you a path to get back to the players tour right. to try to spike. There you are definitely constant, need to spike to get yes, into the There rivals. are consolation prizes for people who come up just short. Right. People who you know come top sixteen, come top twenty five, effectively come up a match behind, you know, go to twelve and four, don't make it, eleven and five, don't make it, they can chain events and potentially like stick around and would not have to go back to a Grand Prix circuit, not have to go back to qualifiers, but you can't chain a bunch of points from Grand Prix together right? and earn your keep that way. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Grand Prix in a second because yeah. those, those get kind of exciting too. Um, also, so ways to get to the players tour, uh, all players from the previous finals, top finishers by record from the previous players tour, all MPL players, all rivals players, Top eight at a Grand Prix or equivalent points. Top four at a Team Grand Prix or equivalent points. LCQ winners yep. held the day before Players Tour events. That's kind of cool. WPN qualifiers, Player Tour qualifiers, Premier Series events, MTGO qualifiers, discretionary invites, which have always been there, to the Pro Tour. And Hayes V, Hall of Fame status. Woo! <laughs> I didn't see that. So Richmond will not be my last event. I, I graciously asked for and got an invitation to Richmond. I expect to be there. Um, I don't know how much I'll be able to truly prepare, but given that I wasn't sure it was ever going to be another one, I wasn't going to miss it, right? I mean, come on. Uh, but yes, I will have the opportunity to, to go cover the Pro Tour in its new form for a while, and I intend to use it when I have the ability to do it proud. You know, I... I I've learned that I am not good enough to walk in basically blind and do the game honor and have a chance to win and like deserve to be there. I only do that when I put in the work and I have no interest in showing up and embarrassing myself and the game. So I'm not going to do that. I'm only going to show up to those tournaments where I can put in the work and you know, I have to figure out to what extent that has to be done off of arena. Because I can put in the time on arena fairly easily, putting the time on in person is a lot harder. Uh, but I'm, I'm confident that I'll find a way. So, so yeah, I'm pretty excited. Players Tours Finals 
There's three of them a year. Uh, top finishers from Player Tours events. Top finishers from previous Player Tours finals. All 24 MPL players. And then this is a big deal here. Uh, each Grand Prix winner in a qualifying season. So this means that Grand Prix not only qualify you for the Players Tours regional events, but it's a direct cue uh, from Grand Prix to a Player Tours finals. And these are small events. They're approximately 120 players and they each have a $250,000 prize pool. They're great events. I do think a lot of players will go to Grand Prix to try and qualify for these then. Uh, Again, it's a spike-based system, right? It's not about being <laughs> solid. It's about being a winner. Uh, the obvious next question is, if you show up at the Grand Prix and you're already qualified, <laughs> like if you're in the MPL, right, and you show up to a Grand Prix and you make the final and the guy sitting across from you is not in the MPL, what happens? Uh, maybe it's a good thing Grand Prix aren't televised. <laughs> I was going to say no more. I think everybody listening to this has enough experience to know what I'm referring to. And, you know, I'm sure that they'll be expected to play and do their best. But, you know, there, there, there have been friends who've met in the finals of Grand Prix and just decided who deserved it more. You know, just on that basis. Um... I, you know, I've seen a lot of things over the years. Um, so the one thing that uh, is a little, you know, kind of wizardy yeah. in, in terms of this announcement is that this is all starting with a 2020 partial season, right? Which is a little like, okay, I don't know what that fully means, but it feels a little like a little bit of wind comes out of the sails for me in terms of the fact that you're not in that, you know, that you're doing something partial and that you're not establishing these kind of like consistent numbers. And I, I don't, I don't even understand it, right? Like it suddenly there's like flow charts with arrows pointing to what happens in a real season and what happens in a full season and a partial season. Um, I think it's designed to just, we don't currently have a rivals league. We right. have a differently sized MPL. Yes. We have a lot of different. I mean, I get it, but it's a transitional time. Yeah, I, I, but I feel like we've. Here's the thing. I just feel like we've always been in a transitional time, right? I feel like everything's been transitional. No, no, no. no. I, I actually, I'm going to defend Wizards here. Okay. But we haven't always been in a transitional time in the sense that we are transitioning from a specific known point to a specific future point, and we have a plan. We have been in transition in the sense that we have no idea what's going to happen next year. And therefore, there is a transition from the current state to the future unknown state. This is a transition from a known past state to a known future state, which requires an intermediate state in order to get there. And I'm not saying I understand all the details of the transition, but as long as it's a long-term commitment to a state at which the game can sustain for, you know, three, five years on that level before they reevaluate to decide whether or not to continue this commitment, um, a little bit of a mess is absolutely fine. Like you have to get from, and I mean, here's the chart right here, right? So like to get from challengers to rivals, right? Right. Like you just sort of have to do this thing. Um, I might be misunderstanding it again. It's still early and we should wrap up soon, but, um, I think that what they're doing makes a lot of sense. 
I'm not saying I would have done every detail the same way. Um, I obviously have concerns, many of which I don't understand fully until I've, Absolutely. you know, I'm going to have to take out an hour minimum to pour over this document. I mean, and it's still not later. all clear, right? Like, yeah, I, we believe you can only play in one of the three regional players tour events. I'm pretty sure about that one. Pretty sure, but maybe. You know, can the MPL players play and rival players play in each of them, or do they have to only pick one? Right? There's still a lot of gray there. In, ter- in other words, if you're in the MPL and Rivals League, do you get three opportunities to spike an invite into the finals? Or yeah, I'm not they- right, but I'm not concerned about that anymore because the MPL players are explicitly competing against each other and each other only. Right. For invitations, they have separate tracks. Sure. And, like, if they are playing 12 events every year in paper, that seems fine, right? If you have a chance to play against the best everywhere and everyone gets to challenge the best, maybe I even like that better. Um, but keep in mind, there's no – they have the option to. They're either going to be at all of them because they're allowed to be or not at all of them because they're sure. not allowed to be. They're going to be at as many events as they, they, they can go to. No one wants relegation. Right. Nobody wants to get relegated. So give me, give me a grade. What's your grade on this? Like a quick, I mean, obviously, again, there's still a lot to parse here. And we're literally probably as long as this podcast has lasted plus five minutes away from having seen this announcement for the first time. Give me a grade for Wizards on this announcement. Hey. Wow. I think this is, this is not exactly what I would have done, but compared to expectations, uh, if you'd asked me before I had any information about like what the hell they were going to do, this is way better. I was hoping, like everybody else, this wasn't going to be the last tournament, <laughs> right? I was hoping we weren't just going to be out on the streets with our stuff in a cardboard box, <laughs> calling the unemployment office effectively, right? And instead of moving up to the corporate office, at least in some sense, and we're going to have a lot of stuff to see, a lot of stuff to cover. You know, there's in particular clear, explicit points-based, merit-based paths all over the place for most of these slots. You know, there was I was terrified of that, so I I have to give them high marks. I can't give an A plus because it's a little com- it's too too complicated for me to follow right now, and that that can't give you I can't give a perfect grade if it's so complicated I can't I can't follow it. Right. I was gonna and go. I, B, I, was gonna I need to analyze. I was gonna go B plus. Yeah. And starting at an A, and then. When I got to partial season, that dinged it a little for me. And I understand I, I would just be like, dude, just give us give us a don't 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 diminish it with, with like it's partial. It feels it, that feels a little wonky to me, but a I'm B plus or an A is I think I can compromise on an A minus, like just for the like the <laughs> sure. partial the, the just complexity penalty of just like yeah, there's too many moving parts here and until you sort that out if we can't under, I mean, until we understand it, we can't give you higher, but we could, we could change your grade if after, you know, a day or so, we realize the implications of the system are more or less awesome than we expect. Right. But. I, I'll go with it. Yeah. I'll agree on an A minus. All right. Let's, yeah. agree, let's agree on an A minus for now and then see, see how it shakes out. But like, I think this is, this vastly exceeds expectations, right? If you had told me they were going to come out with a B minus announcement, I would have jumped for sure. <laughs> Right. This is like, <laughs> this is like when you say, if I could lock in X two on day one, this is an X two. <laughs> well, except, except without the whole like you actually you have all of the 
the words are top heavy at a pro tour, right? People keep forgetting that locking in, you know, <laughs> like God, I still hate oh, the intentional draws from uh, yeah, day one to make it day two are just so awful from back in the day. And I just regret all of them. It's just so terrible. But but yes, no, the idea of it's that student who you're like, I'm not sure she's even gonna turn into paper on time. <laughs> and if she does, I have no idea what's gonna come out of it. It might be like complete gibberish. And it turns out, yeah, this is really good. And is it perfect? You know, no. It's a long convoluted mess that seems to accomplish the things it set out to do. And that's pretty great. And, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to get an A minus out of these people. And to get, getting an A would be very, getting an A plus from here would not have been hard. Right? Well, and I think that the thing that we're not taking full account of is from the person at home's perspective. Yeah. Person who's like, where's my Grand Prix coverage? Where's my, where, where, why can't I watch high level magic? Suddenly, there's a ton of high level magic. There's nine regional players tours. There's three regionals finals events. There's the world championship. By the way, those might not be the most exciting events to watch because the Magic Pro League gauntlet, where people are trying to either cling to their MPL status or oh, claw their way up into MPL status might be the most exciting. It's always the best tournament of the year. Like, <laughs> from a viewer perspective, you may just notice the sweat on everybody's face. Just everybody is just hanging on for dear life. So you've got 12 basic tournaments, three invitationals, the world championship, the gauntlet, and by the way, the MPL splits are suddenly super high stakes and now there's every four, time. And now there's four of those for three tournaments. That's another 12. That's 29 weekends a year. Yeah. Already. Plus the Magic Online Championship is 30. That's not going to go away. I mean, right. they haven't, plus, they, I don't see the announcement here, but I can't imagine that going away. Plus the whatever events CFB has been covering on a on the Grand Prix circuit, so that's and those Grand Prix are suddenly more high stakes. That that finals to get to uh, these these to the Grand Prix finals to get to the Players Tour finals is a little more high stakes. So you know, give six to eight of those a year. That that you know, it's way more weekends on with good with six high of those players. and just go to your pre-releases, guys. So like now <laughs> you're at forty, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean that's you know. That's, that's as much magic that's, as... That's, that's 12 weekends to go see your family and do, like, you know, cookouts, which is more than enough. So that, that's, a, that's a pretty good... That's a pretty full year. So an A-minus from us. Look, this was, this was our, you know, uh, whatever they're calling this, the future of Magic Esports, first take, hot take, with Brian David Marshall and Zvi Moshowitz. I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot more about it, but... Uh, we, we wanted to jump on this as, as quickly as possible. Thanks for listening.